Hey there, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of the Clarity Podcast. My name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I will be your host. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and mission. Each episode, we will be having transparent conversations with people who care about you and desire for you to be healthy, resilient, and confident in your life and as you pursue your mission. I know that one of the biggest roadblocks to health, resilience, and confidence is lack of clarity. And I believe that the transparent conversations that we will be having and the life stories that we will be hearing will be invaluable for you and I. Today we have the great opportunity to sit down and learn and grow in the area of missiological maturity. There'll be some big words as I sit down and talk with Greg Beggs that'll be thrown around theology and he'll talk about his missiology, but invaluable insight whether you're a pastor, whether you're a business person, whether you're a lay person in a church, whether you're someone who gives your finances or time to mission, this will be valuable to you. Or whether you're an overseas worker, and this will impact you too. Greg provides insight that I think was valuable, and he'll talk about relationships. And key in on that as we get to that part of the interview, when he talks about the importance of relationships, specifically in Africa, before going down a path, before going anywhere, the importance of having relationships firmly in place before you progress. And so So I think you're going to learn a lot from Greg. I sure did and valued his insight. As you know, you're figuring out these are unscripted conversations. We normally go over a few questions, but it's unscripted. And so if something is said or something is said in a different way, if that may, why did they say it differently? That's because it's unscripted. And we just want it to be transparent conversations like you were sitting down in the room and you were part of the conversation. And we want you to feel that that as we go into this conversation with Greg Beggs. So looking forward to it. No time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, it's so good to have Greg Beggs with us today on the Clarity Podcast. And so, Greg, thank you so much for being with us here in Madagascar. Most of our listeners know who you are because you're our leader, but there are other, there'll be business people and pastors that might not know your whole story. Could you just share a little bit about yourself so the listeners could hear more about you? And as we have this transparent conversation, they'll know where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. Thank you. It's really good to be here with you. I grew up in Africa. I love the African church. I've spent my whole adult life thinking about the African church and thinking about ways to make it stronger and better. I have one wife, as we say here in Africa. Good. That's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Two children and three grandchildren. Good so deal. that's pretty good much deal. who I am. Great deal. And what year did you come to Africa? Came to Africa in 1987. 1987. Yes. Good deal. That was the second time as a missionary. That's what I was going to But what was, what was the first time you came? First time was 1964. 1964. So you've seen Africa come into its own and grow and change. And you've seen a lot of changes, a lot of changes in Africa. That is a fact. Africa is rapidly changing. Yeah. And I would say even more so now. Wow. Yeah. yeah good deal. So we begin our podcast with, uh, I say a lot of times we can learn from people's successes, but I learn most from people the, uh, when we go through struggles. And so the, the, what area we're focusing on on this podcast is the importance of having a missiology that's biblical and based on God's word. And today we have people creating their own missiology, their own theology, their own ideas on these, on what it means to be in mission, involved in mission. And this podcast is about creating clarity and life and mission. And so is there an example of something, Greg, you said when I went out as a missionary, went out as a worker, this is a story I could share that I tried, thought I was functioning under good missiology, but now looking back on it, it didn't just go the way I thought and maybe it wasn't as good as I thought. Well, you know, when we first came out as missionaries, we 
had had drummed into us, just like beat into our heads and hearts and the indigenous church, the indigenous church principles and the national church at the end of the day has to be sustainable. When you walk away, what are you leaving there? And so what I thought was the indigenous church was very important to me and I felt like was a hill worth dying on. Well, my first few years in Africa as a missionary, I think I tried to do the indigenous church without relationship as much as I should have. In other words, before having a relationship with the pastor, you're applying indigenous church principles, and that is going to end in disaster almost every time. Hmm. So I learned over the years that, yes, indigenous church principles are very important. However, if they're applied in the absence of true loving relationship with the national church, then you're going to create havoc, you're going to create disunity, you're going to create problems for both a national church and a group of missionaries somewhere. So when you get the partnership part right, which is a good, godly, loving relationship, then out of that flows the indigenous church principles. And many times we think, well, the indigenous church principles is they've got to do their part and they've got to do it first. Or, hey, if I'm going to put that roof on, then they have to have had the walls put up or whatever, you know, talking about building a church. Well, that may or may not be true. It depends on the context. And only through relationship can you really come to understand what is best for the long-term sustainability of any given group of churches or a church that you're working with. Can you um, talk to some of our listeners? We talk, we throw around the word indigenous church principle. Could you explain that just a little bit? What is And there's even amongst us, there's people that have different ideas on what that is. Would you just be able to, first people, well, that, that's a new word for them? Sure. Well, there's three parts to the indigenous church. It's, it's self-supporting, which means basically that church relies on Jesus for its ongoing support and for taking care of its pastors, taking care of the work of the ministry and all that. It's not dependent upon any kind of outside sources. Secondly, it's self-governing, which basically means that it does its own governance, in other words, or it, it has a system to choose leaders, it has a system to strategize, it has a system to continue to function within its own context and isn't relying on outside sources to lead it and guide it, but as the Holy Spirit speaks to it, um, then that church is responding to the Holy Spirit and going in the direction with good leadership that it needs to go. And then thirdly is self-propagating or it reproduces itself. And that simply means that it's reproducing, it's replanting, it's planting more churches, healthy churches that are doing what God wants them to do within a given context. And so that's what you're explaining, relationships, when we first talked about relationships in indigenous church, and then what you just described, that sounds like a long, oh. long journey. And so in my generation, we like things quick and fast, and normally things are going to change. It might be popular to do this now, and then in five years, it's going to change. Why is the indigenous church principle, why is that so important? Why can't we just go for something that's quick and we can see results. Why is it that important? Well, Aaron, I think it's longevity. I think it's sustainability into the future. It is long, and it's excruciating for us as Americans who are very project-driven at times and who want to go and fix something 
And normally, before we can fix something, we have to sit down with the people and have a relationship with them and understand what the real problem is. Many times it's not the problem we see, it's another one. And we'll never know that and we'll fix the wrong thing many times. If we don't take the time to really learn pop missiology, doing what is popular now, doing what feels good to us as Americans, is a reality that you and I both deal with, Aaron. I right. mean, we talk about this all the time. For sure. And it's harmful. It not only hurts the American church, because they don't learn missiological patience, and they don't learn that if they will just give it some time, that in the future there'll be something left standing. <laughs> but they can go over there and do it quick, and you know they can all feel good, and then get their pictures, they can put them on Facebook, and that's good. And yeah. they may raise some money, right? And then the next generation, or maybe not even a generation, maybe the next rainy season that doesn't come, right. the same problems. It's back. So yeah. My father-in-law always says there's the presented problem and there's the real problem, and uh, getting to the real problem takes time. The presented problem, he said, anybody can see that, and that's the easy one, but the getting to the real problem of, what, of the day, that takes a lot. So, Very true. Greg, what are some things that you, this title of the podcast is Clarity. So what are the certain things, is the leader of Africa, what are the things that you do to help provide clarity for you when you're thinking about missiology and indigenous church principle. There are certain points that when you like uh, you run it through your mind that helps provide clarity because you said there's many options out there, there's yes. many ideas out there, there's many projects that you could do. Is there a system or a, a pathway or a way of thinking that helps you clarify whether this is in the, a positive thing or maybe not a way we want to go? Well, I try to think about effectiveness and what that means long term. And I try to think about who we are as missionaries, what God has given us and the gifts and talents that we have with our missionary force. And then I look at, at the situations in Africa. We look across the continent, the sub-Saharan Africa, and the 48-something countries that we work in. And we try to marry those two things. So if, Aaron, you're very gifted in a certain area and there's a national church somewhere that needs something, so you try to connect those two things. And then, again, I think the critical component going into that is having enough of a relationship with that national church so that they know really what that missionary is coming there to do. That they're not expecting that missionary to come and just start handing out money. Hmm. They're not expecting that missionary to come and just start building churches. But that there's... There's an understanding that will get them both further down the road together in the long run. Yeah, for sure. And so what do you have with Live Dead? Many of our workers, they're in places that they're in the process of planting a national church. And they're in the beginning stages. What advice or what wisdom would you give to them in those early days, early stages of planting a church and country, I don't know where? And what would you say, hey, this is important for you? Well... I think an ecclesiology is critical. I think when you're initially planting a church, and that's assuming you've got all of your other basics in line, you know, right. you're praying enough, you're, right. you're doing what right. you need to engage the forces of darkness that's in right. any given place where the church isn't. That's right. Assuming all that's in place. The next step, even before you get to missiology many times, is a good ecclesiology. You have to understand what the church is for. And when that church begins to form, what's it going to look like? Well, that ecclesiology, there's a lot of different types that you could start to build into that new growing national church. Yeah. 
And I think going into that, we need to be very clear with ourselves and have a real clear understanding of, okay, this is the type of ecclesiology. An African ecclesiology is not an American one. And what works over here in East Africa may not work in West Africa, but what's our context? And which, for instance, when it's time to put the church in order, which national church am I going to go to to look at a constitution and bylaws? Have we thought about all those things? I mean, that's we're way down in the weeds now, but but, but, but they're important. The, yeah, that's, that's the reality. Important in ecclesiology for our listeners that don't know what that word means. Ecclesiology. How would you define ecclesiology? Just an understanding of how the church functions, how it governs itself, and not only the local church, but a group of churches together. You might call them a denomination. We call them national churches in Africa. How they function together, it's more than just governance. It's the whole philosophy, the whole ethos of how that church is. You can go from one country to another, and churches have very different cultures and very different feelings. That's right. And which one do we want this church to have? And we saw that when we made the transition from Burkina to Madagascar. Very different. Because it was the voices that were speaking in. You had a certain voices were speaking into the Burkina church in the early days. And there were different voices yes. that spoke into the Malagasy church in those early days. And you can see the trajectory difference in both of those and the importance of that. I think the leaders that were and the workers that were in Burkina, they had the certain ideals. And so mixing those. What other advice or wisdom would you give to people that are working on teams, or maybe like in Madagascar, we're working, there's uh, different workers here, from some from Reunion, some from different places, that might have a different missiology than we do. Do you have any wisdom on areas that we can collaborate? Should we not collaborate? Is that even important to collaborate? And what message does that send to the people we're working with if we can't even get along? And so, do you have any wisdom on that? Yeah, that's a really good question, Aaron. And... I think one that, if we're honest, we as the American mission have failed at, at times in Africa, over the past. I know that many times we feel like our missiology and the way we do things is the best, and whatever other group from whatever other place in the world may or may not, you know, buy into that, and so we tend to relegate them to the edges. And if we're not real careful, we create dissension between the brothers, because the national church is the one that pays the price, really. So I think over the years, we've learned that we look, we pray, we desperately look for places where we can connect, and then we ignore the places where we can't. Yeah. And we just don't go there. Yeah. At least that's my philosophy. I could be very wrong. Well, you're our leader, so <laughs> your philosophy is going to rule the day. So uh, Maybe that's good, maybe it's not. <laughs> no, because it is important. I think the model... You know, one of the last, when Christ talked about he wanted the church to be as one, and if we can, in the areas that we can cross over, if we can work together, I think it sends a model to wherever, whatever country we're living in, that we might not agree on everything and exactly how it's done, but there's certain areas that we can collaborate in. And if we can't, then like what I'm hearing you say is maybe we don't need to be there. No, exactly. And you know, I won't name countries, but some of our European brothers and sisters that we work with, right. we partner with them as we all partner together with any given national church in Africa. Philosophically, we play that indigenous church principle out very, very differently. Well, we can look for places of commonality, or we can fuss over those things where we don't connect. Very important. And if we can find those places 
of commonality and love one another as we work together with the national church in those contexts. I think like you said, Aaron, it's so much more conducive to unity and to that national church saying, hey, you know, this the body of Christ is wonderful. It's big. It's good. Yeah. And we all might look a little Us different. Person. That's right. Yeah, because, you know, if we allow ourselves to fall into those things, then it becomes very dysfunctional quickly. And the national church will begin to play one side against the other. Because at the end of the day, they need what they need in their minds. And so we end up allowing ourselves to create some really bad situations. How do we know if we're succeeding in planting and partnering with a national church? We talk about the indigenous church or missiology. How do we know? Are there markers that you can say, this is something that I know that we're succeeding um, and this we're moving in the right direction? Are there other markers that you say, we're not moving in the right direction in this area? Well, the positive ones, right. you know, one of our leaders in the past that led Assemblies of God World Missions many years ago was J. Philip Hogan. And he said, we measure our success by churches planted. So we still do that in Africa. We measure the success of a national church and our success in partnering with them by churches planted. Okay. Now, there's a second step to that. Those churches need to be healthy. And those churches need to have some depth to them. They need to be led by qualified men and women of God. And that is, you know, that's the part where we look at a national church on a scope and it's like a continuum. And we look at that church and we say, okay, with them, where can we help you now? You are planting churches, that's successful. But in order to continue to be successful, those churches need to be strong. Yeah. And, and so within Africa, we have different initiatives. So there's NC Squared, and then there's LD, Live Dead, and then Urban Tribes. And so do you think that the success might look different in those three areas, whether what successfully partnering in a missiology for an NC Squared team might be different than one for an Urban Tribes team well, or yeah, a Live yes Dead team? Yes no. Okay. I, mean, I think I understand your question, Aaron. But for NC Squared, which is, by the way, National Church, the power of two. There you go. Which is partnership. That is. <laughs> awesome. But, so NC Squared, our success there is relational, obviously. Our success there is seeing churches planted that are strong and healthy through good education systems. And then our success there is seeing good, healthy departments of that church, men, women, boys, girls, whatever, youth, university, all of those things. The stronger all those departments are, the more successful we are with any given context. That would be NC squared. But Live Dead is doing the same thing. It's just on the very, very front end of that. So Live Dead success is just a little bit more further back up that continuum. But as people begin to get saved, then that's success in Live Dead. And then as they begin to form together in, in units of community, that's success there. But the very same things, that same DNA has to begin to, to be put into that church. And then urban tribes... Um, Urban tribes, you know, success there also would be a healthy church that's planted in an urban context, influencing people that are culture creators in Africa. Yeah. So they're all equally important, and it might look a little bit different, but all going toward the same goal. Absolutely. We're all going the same goal. 
uh, planting, nurturing, and partner with a national church. It just looks a little bit different in the process. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and that planting, nurturing, and partnering with the national church really is what we say quickly. Our acronym is RPTS. We reach, we plant, we train, and then we serve. We come alongside that church to serve in any way that it needs. For sure. And within Africa, there we have some values, stewardship, effectiveness, and accountability. And so how does, you talked about the effectiveness of the indigenous church principle, but maybe we have pastors listening in. How does the indigenous church principle and having a missiology that's biblically based, how does that help us be wise stewards of our time, talent, and resources? And how does it help us to be accountable to those that are allowing and supporting missionaries to be on the field? Do you think there's a tie in there? Oh, absolutely. I think good missiology keeps us on track. It keeps us focused on planting that church, that healthy church, and doesn't let us get outside of our riverbanks. You know, there's a lot of good things we could do in Africa. A lot of very good things. And there are good people doing good things in Africa. But God didn't call us to do all those things. He called us to plant the church of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, that's what we're going to do. And so everything we do needs to be able to be filtered through that. And so if our missiology keeps us focused on that, then we can look at a pastor in the face and say, when you support an African missionary, the money you're giving to that missionary is going to be used well. We're going to be accountable for that. That missionary is going to be effective because they are missiologically engaged in something that we've thought about for a while. And then they're accountable. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost like a feedback loop. It helps put that in place and ensure that. So Greg, you're at a different season of life now. You've been a missionary and then you were the area director for East Africa Indian Ocean Basin. Now you're the regional director for Africa in this season of your life. Is there something that you feel is the new importance when it comes to missiology and indigenous church principle? Is it more important to you now than it ever has been? What are your thoughts in this season of your life after serving all these years, growing up in Africa, seeing all these changes? You probably have a perspective of, if I can do my math pretty quick here, um, 36, a lot of years. A lot, a lot of years in Africa. A lot of years so, in Africa. Uh, 46, going 46 years. And so in this season of your life, What do you have for us as we look at the indigenous church principle? Well, I think it's more complicated than it's ever been. I think the burgeoning, growing church in Africa has access to more that can help it and more that can harm it than it's ever had. I think help can be there readily and quickly, and so can harm. And so we have to find ways to influence that national church in the right direction, to make the right decisions and do so without being paternalistic and do so without placing ourselves as the ones that know everything or without being gatekeepers that could keep out some real blessings. And for us to be able to determine what one church needs and what another church needs, today's extremely, extremely complicated. When my parents came to Africa in the early 60s, the church was almost non-existent. Everybody knew what they needed to do. When you just get in there, you preach the gospel, you play at the church, then you grow the pastors. And from that, well, it's more complicated than that now. Yeah, Yeah, it is complicated. It is complicated. And if there were easy answers, we probably would already have those easy answers. So thinking now, we started the podcast with uh, some challenges and what you've learned from the challenges. Is there one area, a bright spot that you can say when I... 
I can say, looking at a place or country that's had missiology in place, nobody's perfect, but in the idea, this is where we see our missiology functioning and that we see a mature, healthy national church. Could you give us a positive win that you can see? Oh, there are so many wins in Africa, Aaron. And I think there are so many wins because the Holy Spirit's faithful. He is. And because when people, godly African men and women, when they embrace the gospel and embrace the word of God, then the Holy Spirit is faithful to lead them into all truth. And as we partner with them and as they open their hearts to theological training and to practical applications of pastoral theology, those churches grow at such incredible rates in Africa many times. I mean, I think about churches like Ivory Coast, I think about uh, Burkina Faso, I think about Nigeria, I think about Ghana, I think about places like Tanzania where you know, the churches are so strong, just powerful entities that are growing really rapidly beyond even the church in the States now, which I think is a very, very good thing. But at the same time, we look at ourselves and think maybe it's time for us to start learning from these brothers and sisters in Africa. For sure. Rather than us being the, the yeah. teachers in some of these places. So to answer your question, Aaron, there are so many positive examples yeah. of what God has done. And I think that's the end result of indigenous church principles. We don't have to keep, we as Westerners who planted and started these churches, don't have to keep governing them. We don't have to keep paying for them. Because the Holy Spirit will help folks do what's best in their own content. Yeah, and that's a great word and great word of insight. Hey, maybe there's somebody listening to the podcast and they feel like they're called to serve in Africa. Could you just give them a little bit of information on what that would look like? Do you have any readings or anything you'd say, hey, if you want to know more about our missiology and what we believe, is there, there are certain places you could point them to? Yeah, they can go to the Assemblies of God World Missions website. There's a Go360 website. There is a pipeline. I don't remember the exact... Then Google it. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll pop up. So. <laughs> anyway. And these day, this day and age. Yeah, so there would be good resources on that. I think also if you connect with, if you're really interested, if you connect with Aaron, I know he's got a lot of books <laughs> that he can help you. Maybe not on missiology, though. That's one of my weak points. But no, we, but we are. So what I hear you saying is there are places for people to serve in Africa. Is that oh, what absolutely. It is? Still a lot of places. You know, I mentioned some real successes, but boy, there's other places where the gospel hasn't even begun to take root yet. When we talk about Somalia and Djibouti. Sudan, Mauritania, places like the northern part of Chad, the northern part of Cameroon, the Cameroonian Plateau. There are places where we're just desperate to put teams of missionaries to partner with national churches now from some of these strong churches that are going into these places. So yeah, there's places. Good deal. Well, Greg, we normally end uh, the podcast with uh, just a prayer. And so I would ask if you would pray for us and pray for the listeners that God would guide us in our missiology and pray for the churches in Africa, that we can partner with them and be wise stewards, be effective in what we do, be accountable to the churches and the believers that are supporting us in the United States. And that God would just give us insight. And as you said, the Holy Spirit is faithful. Mm. That God will, wherever we're at, whether we're working on a live dead team in the beginning stages, whether it's National Church Squared or Urban Tribes, wherever we're at in that continuum, His Holy Spirit would guide us and that our missiology will be biblically based for the good of His kingdom. 
Will you pray for us? Absolutely. Lord, this is your church, and you said you would build it. And we don't always understand how to do that. And we certainly can't do it without the help of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we don't come at this thing as experts understanding all about missiology and what the indigenous church is and all that. Lord, we know that this is you and that you're going to do this work. We simply ask that we be a part of it and that you let us work alongside you, that the power of your Holy Spirit would engage us again and again as we walk across Africa with these wonderful, powerful churches that are already in existence, and as we dig into the dry, hard soil of places where it has not yet started. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, and we ask that you would continually lead us and guide us. Lord, I pray that you would call people to Africa from across the United States and other places. I pray that you would call people to these places where we desperately still need missionaries to engage. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for Aaron and Heather and for their ministry and for this podcast. I pray that you would continue to grow it and bless it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Greg, thanks so much for being with us and looking forward to next time. Well, I told you you wouldn't be disappointed with our time with Greg, learning from him and his insight into life and into relationships and into missions and into missiology and he went into even some big words ecclesiology and greg is insightful if you ever have the opportunity to be in a room with greg greg can read a room probably as good or better than anybody i've ever been around as he sits and he can read emotions he can see feelings he's very discerning has a very good insight in people i don't know if that's from growing up in africa or god has just given that to him or if he's developed that over time sitting with him and learning from him. The other thing I thought it was valuable from our conversations with the importance of relationship and engaging, whether you're in relationships in business, whether that's relationships at home, the importance of relationships and not going forward or not moving too fast until those relationships are growing and developing and solidifying. The other thing I thought was very important that I took from that interview with Greg was the stewardship, effectiveness, and accountability and how he uses those core values to choose to where to engage. Africa is a massive continent, multiple things that he could be involved in, multiple ways that he could lead, but he allows those values of stewardship, effectiveness, and accountability to guide him on in making decisions. And wherever you're at and what clarity you're looking for, your core values and my core values should guide us and should allow us help provide clarity for us in life and in mission. And so I, I hope your, your notes will you'll come back to those and learn and grow from those. Until next time, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope this podcast today help you provide clarity both in life and in mission. Thanks again. Thanks again.